0: This broadcast is dedicated to the memory of Charles Henson, a friend and mentor and co worker at Waccamaw Land and Timber for nearly 20 years. He passed away unexpectedly on April 27, 2021. He was a joy to work with, a true friend, and I can't count how many laugh out loud moments I've had with him over these two decades in real estate. He will be missed by everyone who knew him.
1: so we were
0: We so excited.
1: <laughs> Want to see TV? And we had TV. We had never seen a TV. And we had a little TV. And we would watch um, The Long Ranger. what I remember specifically. And then, mom and dad were white, so I know she has a nine.
0: Hi, this is Randall Wallace, and welcome to our opening show of Season 2 of Bridging the Political Gap. And this one is a little different. As I had told some of you um, that, that watched, that we would be on the air starting in March. But sadly, my mother, Gloria Grant uh, Boner, uh died on March 17th, and that pushed our start-back date back quite a bit. So this very first episode of season two is not going to be political, but a more or less a tribute to my mother, and hopefully uh, it'll uh, help you get to know her a little bit better. She, um, I-, I filmed her and just got her talking about our family and her life growing up in a farm in uh, rural South Carolina in Darlington County, and about uh, my grandmother, who was an orphan, and about an uncle of mine who was a war hero during World War II, and um, and what it was like growing up in a farmhouse with no heat and air conditioning and, um, and playing the piano. And, and my great uncle, Dr. J.W. Beasley, if you read my book, I talk a lot about him in the chapter on healthcare. care, um, and she talks about playing his grand piano and the butlers at her house. Sadly, I didn't get to film as much as I would have liked because at the time that I was filming her on my cell phone. Uh, she had just recovered from cancer and had lost all of her hair. And the fact that I was filming her bothered her because um, she was wearing one of those uh, things that they wear. And uh, I, I did not realize uh, then she was self-conscious. I didn't realize then that that uh, she passed away from Alzheimer's disease. That that was going to kick in. So I only had um, about a half hour of, of her talking about all these family memories. And I wish I had gotten more of it, but. Uh, Anyway, I thought I'd share some of them with you and introduce you to my mom. She's probably the single most important person that's been in my lifetime uh, and the biggest influence on me and always there. You know, there was a time when um, she was a single parent after she got divorced and my older brother was off in college and it was just me and her and through uh, some tough times before she married my stepdad. And so for the first time in my 50 years... uh, um, She's not here. so. Uh, but I thought this would be a neat tribute, and um, I hope you'll indulge me with it. And um, after it's done, I will talk a little bit about what's coming up in Season 2, uh, Bridging the Political Gaps next season, because originally it was a 11-part documentary. But I just want to read this to you. Gloria Grant Bulmer, formerly Gloria Wallace, passed away peacefully during the morning hours of March 17, 2021, at Myrtle Beach Manor, where she had resided for the past two years. She was 79 years old. She was born in Hartsville, South Carolina on April the 9th, 1941, and she was the daughter of the late Willie Beasley Grant and Ruth Crowley. She was the oldest of four children, raised in the Bethel farming community located between Hartsville and Darlington, South Carolina. She was a 1959 graduate of Hartsville High School, named best-looking in her senior class. She attended Winthrop University in Rock Hill, South Carolina, and graduated in three years in 1962 with a B.A. in English and History. She had two sons, Thomas Wallace and Randall Wallace, as well as 3 stepchildren, Lisa, David, and Robert Bulmer, from her late husband, Charles Larry Bulmer, to whom she was married for almost 30 years. In addition to her parents and husband, Larry, she was also preceded in death by her sister, Willa May Huggins, a brother, William Beasley Grant, and her former husband, Tommy Wallace, with whom, uh, after marrying on September 5th, 1962, she moved to Myrtle Beach uh, in 1964. Gloria was first and foremost a nurturer at heart, not only for her children, but also to others under her watchful care. What she was to thousands was a teacher. She was uh, sweet and considerate, but also when needed, forceful and demanding, and I can attest to that. This combination of personal characteristics endeared her to her students, and she was extraordinarily loved by those students. She taught English and South Carolina history for almost 25 years first at Lamar High School, at Myrtle Beach Middle School, and finally Myrtle Beach High School, and also for a little while at Lafayette High School in Williamsburg, Virginia. She was especially passionate about Myrtle Beach High School's monthly student newspaper, The Beachcomber, where her love of literature, writing, and student creativity to tell a story, which is what English teachers love to do. Even after her teaching career closed and she moved to Williamsburg, Virginia for a short time, she continued to educate others as a national coordinator for marketing American distributions and growing our own franchise there into one of the largest on the Virginia Peninsula before uh, she and Larry returned to Myrtle Beach in 2003 where they helped me on a lot of my campaigns and were in my corner and I don't know how many times I could tell you stories about us going off uh, getting off the uh, TV and my, my cell phone going off when she got mad about something uh, one of the council members may have said to me uh, beyond uh, literature and history, she loved uh, the arts, opera, theater, poetry, F. Scott's Fitzgerald, ragtime music, classic movies, international travel, the Masters, golf tournaments, the Splato Festival, and oh, let's not ever forget, she loved Elvis and Myrtle Beach. She loved her family and her children, and she was the latter's fiercest defender, as I can attest to, and even on those rare occasions when uh, when we were wrong. <laughs> but uh, she could also be the most honest crit- uh, critic when it was required and which was fairly often with me and she was fairly blunt. <laughs> in lieu of flowers we asked folks to give to the Alzheimer's Association. Anyway, I appreciate you tuning in and, and uh, I hope you just learn a little something about living in South Carolina in the early parts of the, or the midway through the 20th century I guess. And uh, I appreciate it because like I said he only got one mother, and I had a very special one, and I'm, I know I'm very lucky in that regard. So here she is, in her own words.
1: And we about in or three
0: in that what we
1: call the middle of it. Close in between the two bedrooms. When you're growing up, you go in there he had heated the house.
0: My uh my grandparents owned uh, a 160-year-old farmhouse. Um so what she's referencing in this in this part of it was uh the the old house had twelve foot ceilings. Uh they it was very hard to keep it hot um, in the winter time, And, uh, so there's a lot of stories about how they had to all sleep together or in a room and on the fires and that kind of thing. Um, they also, uh, had a, some, a lot of illness with my grandmother. Uh, my great grandmother was incapacitated for some period of time and lived in the house with them. And also my grandmother, Grant, um, who we're going to talk about a little later, uh, had a stroke. And so my mother did, a lot of the housework um, during that time which she's gonna talk about here in a minute.
1: I ironed my daddy's clothes I did it. I did most because my mother had a stroke and she wasn't able to do nothing. So I cooked and, and I did a lot of stuff. My grandmother was in the nursing home because my mother had tried to take care of her for a long time. And we would go get the to see her, my mother would always check to see if she was dry, and her bed, making sure that they would change her, because she wouldn't go on the same day every time, but she was dry Because mother was very careful about her. I was washing every day, and the sheets were all a bit, but my grandmother would let her sleep. Washing, a washing machine, and we didn't have a dryer then, and dry, and so all the clothes were hung out on the line, all the sheets and everything. So as soon as I was able, I was teaching school, I bought my mom a dryer,
0: because I didn't want her walking out in the yard, walking out in the yard in the country, you know,
1: and somebody bothered her or Put my coat on and go practice pen piano
0: in time. <laughs> Put my coat on. Why, well, it's so cold in there? It'll be real cold in the room
1: where we get the piano. My aunt gave me a piano. She gave me the piano. It got burned up when the house burned down. had a nice upright piano. It sounded really good, too. She used to let me come to her house and play practice yeah. Which, and then she gave me, yeah. which aunt was I I will pay. Ain't aunt Granny. Mm-hmm.
0: Uncle Tracy's son. Why? My she was my, my granddaddy's sister. She lived across the road over there. While my aunt Gert, Gertie gave my mother the piano, she would later go on to, to play at my uh, great-uncle, Dr. Beasley, in Victoria's house. And she talks here about playing that grand piano in that house. Now, he was one of the only two doctors in all Darlington County. Uh, Dr. Byerly, which Byerly Hospital was named after in Hartsville, uh, was the other doctor. And then Dr. Beasley, which was um, our great-uncle, uh, my great-grandmother's brother, was the doctor that serviced Ashland and traveled around. And then he had a, a, a office at... F- the drugstore there in Hartsville. And uh, I talked about this in my book a little bit, but he was a really interesting fellow, and, uh, uh, and now if you go to the Hartsville Museum, I'm kind of proud to have his, his portrait is there. And my Aunt Patty, uh, Holly, donated it. Uh, to. And I used to have a practice and practice my piece. And I would play for them. And I'd play my own
1: piece. They'd clap and everything. And then they had butlers. you know. Mm-hmm. And they have white, white clothes on for her. Tom's uncle. The they, they would serve us plenty the silver coffins.
0: A big portrait of him is now at the museum.
1: And He has that museum. And I don't know if she came to the hospital or if the hospital wanted him or what. But Dr. Riley and Dr. Beesley were all close friends,
0: uh, so I thought
1: well I to hey, Victoria I had a picture of her, but I don't know. That. And upstairs they had uh, that their bedrooms upstairs and I remember going up there when I got married and uh, rice was in everything, man rice and everything. And uh, the reception was at her house. Oh, it was that me no. me yeah, Yeah, no. I it like, you
0: know, I had to way down. Uh, to me, the most moving part of this conversation is what we're getting ready to come to now. My my grandmother, uh, Ruth Crowley Grant, uh, who got married at nineteen to my to my granddaddy, was an orphan and uh, she had never had even her own room. And uh, she just, she's one of those people that I wish I had gotten to know better. She died when I was seven years old when she was 59, but she was a really remarkable person who, who really had this extraordinary life to go from being an orphan and bouncing around between some of her older sisters uh, looking for a place to live to marrying my granddaddy, to, to being an extraordinary mother, and uh, and my vaguest memories of her are just this overwhelming presence that just smothered you all the time. But uh, she was a great lady, and a lady that I I really wish I had had the opportunity to get to know um, better than I did. But this is pretty touching. Listen to my mother talk about my grandmother. Got one more
1: Always did so many things for us. Let us. Know. Play the piano and I take tap dancing lessons. And I finally said, I just can't take tap dancing lessons anymore. I would like it. I'll play the piano. So I did that. My mother said they bought her shoes too big. She always had to walk
0: around with shoes that were too big for her. Well, she, she didn't stay there long, but did she?
1: I don't know how long she stayed there. She was with a limb for a while. And they lived had taken in and Uncle JB. Ma, do you know who my mother was with. She was with Amy. And somebody left a baby on my made steps. And she kept that baby. But the baby died. And uh, and then my mother, my mother didn't have any work to She really didn't have anywhere to because they took her, Uncle Junius took It was sad. It was so sad. Right. See, so, I really get sad about my mother because I understand now I, why she was so devoted to us. Why she saw that we had everything, all the music, and sometimes the car would be, the car had a burst uh baby hit or something. We had to put water in every day to go to the piano lesson.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: and then we get home and, you know, she'd go home and then we'd go back. And I don't know how long that radiator was like that. My mother loved to go to the movies. So sometimes she'd take, us to piano, take me to the piano and then she'd have the ball. Um, she had a wheelback, I guess, with her. And then we'd go to the movies. I saw movies that I
0: didn't even know what was going on, because she go the government. Finally, uh, my mother's going to talk about my Uncle J.B. Crowley. And uh, a few years ago, I did a speech about uh, my Uncle J.B. Uh, for the Veterans Memorial Day uh, event. It's, it's probably been 2012, I think, uh, where I was talking about him. My Uncle J.B. was a very interesting character. Uh, who fought in World War II. He was a tail gunner and a prisoner of war in Romania. And uh, I knew him very well. Um, he, and he gave me, I have his sergeant's pack with his with his flashlight. And uh, the flashlight you had to squeeze all the time to get it to work. And it makes a lot of noise. And he used to tell me, he said, I used to sneak around the jungles with that. And I was like, after I got to be a grown-up, I realized there's no jungles in Romania. And you can do a lot of sneaking that as much noise as it made. But I was really—I've always had that pack. It's in my room, and I have a picture of him getting an award that I've had all my life. But Uncle JB was—he—he uh, he had more energy and got involved in more stuff than anybody than any ten people. So he came back from that war and really lived life to the fullest. But they didn't think he could get in because at some point when he was a kid, he'd had to have surgery and had a had a, a bone removed from his arm. And my aunt Lib was totally convinced he wasn't going to be able to get in. And she had taken him in. He was, my, my grandmother and my uncle JB were the two youngest. And, and my mother tells this, tells this story about him enlisting in World War II. And he ended up serving 20 years. He did World War II and then he, and then he trained folks uh, all the way up to Korea and Vietnam. And so, uh, he had a long military career. And then he came back and sold furniture at Coker Store in Hartsville. And it was there that he met my aunt Betty. And my Aunt Betty passed away this year. Um, she, Uncle, Uncle JB died in like 1988, but she passed away this year during COVID. And my Aunt Betty was the most delightful person. My Uncle JB was probably 37 or 38 when he, when he met her. And the last time that I saw him, I was at a wedding reception. And I was, I don't know, 15, 16 years old. And he was on the dance floor wide open. And when he came in, he was talking to some of us at the table and, he gave me this advice. He said, don't you, don't worry about it. Don't be in a hurry. One day you'll meet the, the one, and you'll know it instantly. It'll hit you, and you'll and you'll just know. And that's how it was for my Aunt Betty. And he met her at Ruth's Drive-In in Hartsville, which is this little tiny hamburger hot dog place, still there. Uh, and he saw her from across uh, uh, the, the parking lot, went and bought her a Coke and started talking to her, and he told her he was going to marry that girl one day. He told his friend that. And sure enough, he did, and they had a great life together. And my aunt Betty was absolutely one of the great, delightful people that I have ever known. She came to my swearing in along with my aunt Patty Holly, my mother's sister, and uh, my mother's friend Sarah Francis Way when I was sworn in the first time on council, and, and she just it was a just I had a blast with her. And when I ran for Congress, which was the last time I saw her, I went and sat, and we talked for a long time. But I've never forgotten Uncle J V. He was absolutely he adored her, and that was his advice. Uh, I've I've always remembered that about him, and about her. And sadly, like I said, she passed away during this COVID nineteen um, outbreak here about about eight months ago. J.B. was in the air force. He's a tail gunner, right? He was a. He told me one time. He said,
1: "I'd rather be dropping bombs from up there than be on the ground."
0: <laughs> he was a wasn't he a tail gunner? He had one of those really dangerous jobs in the plane though.
1: And they didn't think they'd take him into the service. Because he only had one bomb in the salon. And infection he had one remote. Mm-hmm. And um and um, so he they didn't think they'd take him And He went off and he just went flying and they took him. Uncle, my uncle, Aunt, 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 Aunt Lib was surprised that they took me. I mean, she wasn't happy about it either. <laughs> if I Well, she wasn't. She, didn't, she, she didn't go home because she, she was so sure that they wouldn't. And he was, oh, yeah. she was mm-hmm. so sure he went they wouldn't. To they took him.
0: I'm Wallace, uh, your host for Bridging the Political Gap. And I just wanted to tell you kind of we're going to be doing the season two. You know, the original concept was the 11 documentary sort of uh, podcast uh, that we brought to you at the beginning of the year. Uh, but we're uh, going to do now sort of the, an, an extras uh, for the season two episodes where we're going to look at uh, profiling some of the senators that were in in the uh, original documentary uh, Strom Thurmond on the campaign trail. Joe Biden, who uh, is now president, was known as the eulogizer of the Senate, and he did the eulogies for uh, Strom Thurmond and uh, Ernest Hollings and Ted Stevens and Dan Inouye and Frank Lautenberg and uh, Robert Byrd and, and one for Ted Kennedy. And we're going to take a look at those and some other like a series of great speeches from Ronald Reagan's last one to the Republican National Convention or his D-Day speech. Uh, Richard Nixon's final one to his staff. Uh, so we'll be kind of looking at some of those. And so, so we'll have a little bit of history in it. And, and and then finally, we're going to look at some issues. The filibuster and why we need to save it. Leadership uh, is an example of, of reining things in. I, we're going to take a look at Senator Bob Packwood's case from the 19, early 1990s that led to his expulsion, uh, and a senator that I admired. Uh, and then we're also going to look at the lack of leadership that uh, when a uh, justice on the Supreme Court Brett Kavanaugh went through his hearing and that debacle that was there and the accusations about Joe Biden um, and 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 how leadership just switched their scripts uh, so we've got you know several things planned I think for uh, the next three or four months. I hope you'll tune in and uh, we can try to try to make politics a little better and enjoy a little history too So anyway I'm looking forward to it and I hope you'll like I said we'll tune in. Uh, in the coming weeks and I appreciate you listening and looking at my mother who uh, we're going to miss. Thanks. We'll talk to you soon.